0: Hi, I am Mark Fields, and this is the Kinship Collective. We are ending otherness, growing solidarity by celebrating one another's stories and reimagining scripture together. This week, we got to hang with Samantha Sanderson. She's a close friend, an incredible human being, and she shared the story of what it meant for her to integrate what some people would call contradictory or incongruent parts of her identity together. Following God in that space and learning to hear God's voice above the voices of others. She talked about the pressure that it felt like to hold these identities that felt contradictory. I don't know about you, but I think her example of holding space for herself, of being grounded and learning the voice of God for herself is an inspiration. It provokes us forward to be able to do the same thing for ourselves and for one another to hold space for one another, to celebrate one another. So may you do that for yourself. And may we be people who create the kind of world where no one feels like they have to suffocate holding identities that they feel like others them. We are family. And that's just the way it is. This is our conversation with Sam. Ladies and gentlemen, today we have with us one of my favorite people on the planet. She's a sister. She's a friend. She is a chain breaker to me. Someone who unleashes others by her authenticity. This is Samantha Sanderson, AKA Sammy Sam, AKA Sam, AKA. Okay. I was going to start seeing some more things. We'll relax there. Sam. I am so inspired by um, your authenticity, I'm inspired by your integrity and your maturity and your character. Um, And so I don't want to share too much. Karen would say I've already shared too much. And so (laughs) Sam, would you share a little bit about your journey to authenticity?
1: Yeah. Um, I think a lot of the authenticity for me and the journey is where I've started and where I am now um I think are two very different things um and so when I think of authenticity like most people I feel like you think about the spaces that you can be a part of regardless of any external factor um somewhere where you're safe and you're welcome and it feels comfortable um and not that I don't agree with that but I feel like for me authenticity has been um something that I have Discovered through honesty and truth, um, and just things that I'm passionate about and I believe in. And so I think going through this journey, I've learned that those spaces are so important. But first and foremost, authenticity for me is believing in myself and who I am. And I think as I've learned to cultivate space where I can believe in myself, it's opened up opportunities for me to see authenticity, not only in myself, but in so many others
0: so sam i for me i'm i'm watching you and i can't tell if you're this is zoom so i can't tell if you're getting emotional if you start to get emotional as you start to share about authenticity um but a couple things that you shared that i want to make sure i'm hearing right one thing you said is uh, there was i guess maybe when you said where i started was i thought authenticity was somebody else's hands something a circumstance that somebody else creates that invites me into truth and what i'm hearing you say is that i feel like i'm in a place where i live truth and it opens up my comfort or um how i sit in that truth or how i even bring myself into the world how how i represent myself so my truth and my authenticity is no longer Um, subject to circumstances but it's it is I'm understanding my own power my own agency to kind of create that is that what I'm what I'm hearing yes Um, and you said on your journey um, to find places like that what about your journey has felt difficult or felt um, unaccepted or or has been a has created maybe hurdles to showing up authentically in different spaces.
1: Yeah. Um, I think a lot of it just immediately when I heard the word difficult, I thought of, um, just all the different voices of our lives, all the different voices in mind that I hear, whether that's from family or friends or church or just all the factors. Um, and thinking about all of those and thinking about how that's, influence and shape the way that I've seen myself and the way that I show up when I'm in those spaces. Um and I think that's been difficult to live in where you want to be fully who you are and you want to express that and in some places you are and in those places that you are there's such a sense of freedom and love and equality and in the places there's not it's just hurtful and I think those feelings are very overpowering and but I also think that I stay and have stayed in them for a very long time Um, and I think one of the most important things that I've had to learn in wanting freedom and love in its fullness is that I had to understand what it was like to not have freedom and love to understand what it was like to have that and to hold that Um, and so in those difficult spaces whether I thought it was unfair or it was harmful and all those things are true. Um, but I think through living in those spaces, I realized I got a taste of what it was like to be fully loved and to be in freedom. And so to experience that side of it, I would say is more than worth it for what I had lost or what was at risk or at stake for all of those other things that were really painful. Um, and I think without that, I wouldn't feel what I feel now. So, being grateful that those two can come together and walk eventually on the same path. Um, And yeah, just thinking a lot about how grief and gratitude can coexist. And I think that's something that I didn't really think about before or understand fully. Um, But I think in this picture, that's what I see through the difficulty in both places that they coexist.
0: What I know your story and I, I feel like we're talking about chapter seven and we skipped chapters one through six. Uh, and so we need to talk about chapter seven. For me, when I hear you talk about like church, different spaces where you felt like um, you couldn't show up authentically, chapter one or or foundation, what was it about you that you felt like was difficult to show up or that felt, I don't want to, yeah. What, what made it difficult to show up or to be loved or to experience freedom in spaces where that are supposed to be designed for that?
1: Yeah. Um, I think for me, it was definitely the sexuality piece that was hard and just scary and felt very unknown. Um, And so I think in the places like home and family and church um, were, I would say like the three main categories of those chapters of life that I felt like I wanted to be loved. I wanted to belong. I wanted to be accepted. Um, And I had so many opportunities throughout all three of them, but so many times I would have to show up in someone that I wasn't. And I think part of that was, I was always told um, that things that I felt weren't true or that there would be a day where I wouldn't feel that way about my sexuality. Um, So I think it put me through a transition of trying to figure out, is this a Sam thing? Is this a family thing? Is this a church thing? Um, And trying to dissect that to figure out what those feelings really were. And so I think more than anything, it was all the voices who continually told me that I couldn't, I couldn't like a girl and go to church. I couldn't have those relationships together. Um and I think that was the number one driving factor that just controlled my life for so long is I felt like if I couldn't be authentic in my sexuality, I would choose the church. Um because at the time that's just how I felt. I felt that I would rather own up to my Christian identity than to my sexual identity. And I chose my Christian identity and I chose it until a point where I started to hear God's voice louder than anyone else's. Um, And at that point I realized I can hold both truths and it wasn't about what other people told me, it was about what God was telling me. And so I think overcoming that barrier leads to that separation of having what I thought used to be authenticity and what that is now. Um, Being able to show up in those spaces again Um, And maybe they're not always perfect and clean um, and they're not certainly, but I think to be in those spaces fully who I am creates what's perfect and clean for me. Um, And so that's just really important. Mm -hmm.
0: Thank you for sharing that. that. My, my, my mind is going in like, there's three, several different spaces, but I, I'm thinking about, cost, um, for Sammy, Sam, um, when Sam is, when, when you felt like you had to choose church over sexual identity, um, what did that cost you?
1: Yeah. Um, I think more than anything, it just costs freedom, like the freedom to just exist and to be, um, I think so much of that was just lost in um, trying to show up continually for others and not knowing what it meant to show up for myself. Um, And I think in that it was, again, like the constant struggle of like, I wanted to be the best person that I could be for God and who he saw of me. And I wanted to be a child of God. And I wanted to live that out. And I wanted to experience that. And I felt like choosing my sexuality was going against who God wanted me to be. And so I think in that story, I realized, like, I had no space to live in freedom in any capacity, Um, in that sense of trying to choose and to go in one direction. Um, And so, yeah, I would just say freedom, just all over. (laughs) Mm.
0: That feels uh, humongous. Then you said that you came to know God's voice above the other voices that were maybe not communicating freedom, not inviting you into wholeness or authenticity. In my mind, when you share about that, well, how did, how did you hear that voice? Like, what, what did that feel like?
1: Yeah. Um, I think it was through experiences and things that I had Mm -hmm. gone through and people that God had put in my life and community and mentorship. Um, and I think also just like thinking about. Moments like now and being in the present and thinking about times when life was so suffocating. And I just felt completely in the closet. And I would like never even think about a time where I would either just not be in the closet or just not be gay. Like there was no other alternative. Um, And I think in those moments was when I felt like I was going against God because I didn't hear him. I didn't understand him that way. And so I think even just thinking about that experience and then putting myself here in the present to be in a whole different world on a whole new platform where it's like, this is a story. Like that was how God had cultivated my story and had given me so many strengths through other people and through community um, and through so many external aspects that have just created this and this opportunity to just be here and just be.
0: I absolutely love that. Would you share a little bit about, you mentioned that it can, that it felt suffocating. It was either don't be who I am in either this way or that way, or all the either or that was happening. But you talked about suffocating. I think that there are people who may end up listening to this who don't understand that feeling of suffocating. I don't understand that. Me and you have a very, we have similar, our family structures are similar, our kind of cultural makeup is similar, ethnic identity stuff is similar, but I don't know what it feels like to feel like I'm suffocating because my sexuality um, is pointing me in one direction that feels contradictory to what I understand of what it means, what you said to be um, a child of God. I don't know what that feels like. Would you share a little bit about what that feels like?
1: Yeah. Um. I think it feels like a lot of just being in one place in one place only, like no other place exists. No other people exist. For me, the suffocating was very internal. It just felt like I had so much work to do in myself. I had so much to fix. I had so much to change. Um, And it just really felt like just a sense of being stuck, Um, just stuck away from so many other things. And I think the hardest part was that when that freedom hasn't been experienced or there hasn't been a door that has been opened for you to get a taste of what that's like, it just feels like it doesn't exist. And so that's how I felt. I felt like that was nowhere near, it was nowhere on the horizon. Um, and so that was really hard trying to navigate that feeling and trying to understand like, what is this feeling really here for? Who really am I? Um, And I think going through any process of difficulty when you feel like there's no one who understands you or no one who's willing to understand um, is also part of that suffocation of like, I want to have someone to talk to. I want companionship. I want community, but like, how do I get that? Um, And I think more than anything in that suffocating feeling, like the world seems so small. Like it just felt like me and the little handful of people who didn't agree with my sexuality. And then realizing like the world is so big and there's so many more people who will affirm you and love you and support you and give you that freedom and give you that space to be you. Um, And so I think in that moment of deep fear there was still hope in like very weird ways. Um, But I think also like looking back at it, like those are the God moments. Like those are the things where you're like, God was the only hope. And even though people told me that it wasn't okay and God wasn't gonna forgive me and I was sinning and all these things, like I knew that relationship that I had with God was mine. And I think the more I also accepted that, that it wasn't the religion, it was the relationship. And it was God and I having these conversations and I just felt more and more that he was revealing to me, um, to be honest about this truth and to step out of that suffocation and obviously not be like screaming from the mountaintops, but like to have that conversation with a few people and the more and more people that I came across and had this conversation, it was so healing. Um, and even in the ones that weren't very safe or weren't very accepting, I think I learned more about myself through that. I learned the sense of boundaries. I learned the sense of communication um, and just kind of how to control those feelings because I think there's also the other side of you that will, of me that was always thinking like, I'm suffocating now and it feels really scary. And then it's like, you open up and then it kind of feels safe but then you think about <laughs> how it's like every new relationship you build or community you step into like it's like you're starting from the ground up and so every time it's like it gets better because it's like easier because you've been through it but it's still like that building process and so um i guess it's thinking about that moment of suffocating and knowing that it's so much more healed and safe than it was but that it still sometimes feels like that could be a reality and it is one and so learning how to navigate that um is also an interesting process
0: when when you said that it feels um like an interesting process you're speaking to um like what i when i heard you talking about your it's back to what you said about authenticity of like, this used to be based on whether those people would accept me an idea that God wouldn't accept me unless I changed. And then you matured to this place where you're like, No, that's not how God and I relate. That is not the God that I know. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and and then you kind of came to this place where you, you were talking about um, the suffocation and that journey. Um, hmm. but it's, it, it's almost like that every step is that step of taking, it's not of taking control of your life or your view back to relationship versus religion and who has the authority and who tells me what's right. And you leaning into what I'm hearing you say, leaning into what you knew of God and these people that were giving you a glimpse of a different kind of god a different kind of love representing um different it's not a different relationship with god different things that create relationship other than behavior um which is interesting to me because when i think of you i think of just one of the most uh just given people like spiritually um confident in your faith, confident in your relationship. And to me, what what feels really strange is like, it kind of irks me because I feel like there's a caricature of people um, in the LGBTQ community. And the caricature is that like, if you are if you identify this way, that you are just kind of like wild that you don't have boundaries that 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 like, like, you couldn't have that kind of faith because those kinds of people are wild like that. What would you respond to 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 that idea that's that that I've like seen and heard expressed?
1: Yeah. Um I think I am on the train of being irked. Um <laughs> but thinking about that for sure um I think even for me was a driving factor at times. Um I think it contradicted even things that I felt in myself. And I think knowing that that category exists um, almost put me in like a sense of self-denial. Like, am I really hearing these things from God or am I just like trying to tell people that who don't agree with me so that we're just like on some weird like common ground? Um, And so I think that's a really hard place to be. And I think um, it kind of comes down to how we're holding our identity, not just in our sexual identity, but how we're holding our identity in Christ. Um, And for me, it was always um, like so many people, regardless of all the different identities we hold, and it's not just our sexual identity. And for me, like there's other identities of like being African-American that I hold, that's like a very hard identity to also grab and to navigate in this world. And so there's so many things that, are tying me down in different directions. And so many of those things get talked about by different groups of people in so many different ways. Um, And I think all of that can be frustrating and it can be angry and it can be scary and hard and all of the above. Um, And I think in all of those moments, I would say, where does that identity lie in Christ? How would God respond? And I think when I've allowed to step back from the worldly views and from the things of people um, and really just find Jesus in those moments, like who is God and classic, like what would Jesus do? But literally like, what would Jesus do in those moments? And I think for me and battling so much of sexuality and the voices of all other people who didn't want me to be this way and didn't want me to make this choice. I think it was always like, What are the qualities and attributes of Jesus? And that's more important than what anyone says or what anyone does. And I think that there's so much irony in that because we find from the most prophetic Christian people that they have a very loud voice in interesting places. And I think one of those is a lot of just self-interpretation and not a lot of Who Jesus is and what is his character? And are we loving or are we judging? And even just in that main line, I think it's important too that sometimes we get so caught up in our own identities because we're so protective over them. And like for me, it's like, don't talk about my sexuality like that. But it's also like people who are straight also deal with the same voices from other people that can be harmful. And so I think all around the board, it's important to stop identifying us in other people and finding our truths in other people. But it's like, if we put ourselves in Jesus, like, who are we? And Jesus would say like, we're all sons and daughters of him. And so what does that look like? And then to allow ourselves to self-interpret, like, what is that? Um, So yeah, I would just say, (laughs) moral of the story, um, (laughs) finding these identities, truly and solely in Christ, um, and uplifting and living into the qualities of the person that he was, and not the person that other people are to us.
0: That's, that feels really inspiring to me. That feels like Galatians where Paul is trying to describe this reality where like, no, 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 it's not about being black. It's not about being Asian. It's not about having money, not, not Democrat, not Republican, not straight, not gay, not it's, it's, that isn't it. It's not even about male or female. Um, That reality where, like, literally, like, we're walking around and like, we can just honor everyone as like, a daughter or a son. It's like, it's really meaningful. (sighs) I think I'm going to go back to the, to that question, um, about maturity. Um, because you talked about, you, you don't like to be grouped in a certain way. And you also talked about before that you talked about, you didn't see what, um, maybe healthy queer Christianity look like. Mm -hmm. And so to not have imagination for that, and to, to be still compelled by what it means to, to follow Jesus, Jesus was still provocative and compelling the justice and love and presence and grace, um, solidarity of Jesus, so much so that you felt like, I, I don't know what to do with this part of my identity. This is still compelling for whatever reason whether it's just this is where all my community is this is where my family is this is like where i understand love to come from so i need to hold on to this i guess i'm i am I guess i'm starting to answer my own question here um but I, I when i when i when i think about um that group of people like i when you see people who are christian and queer and they are not behaving in a mature way that will garner respect um what does that make you feel
1: yeah um i think it just makes me feel like marginalized and the marginalized like <laughs> um just it's like a whole different subcategory Um, and I think sometimes it's hard because it's like inside internally, you feel like you're working so hard to be someone like extra hard, like life's already hard. And then you're like, okay, now I got to add this layer and you're just battling between acceptance and proving yourself and showing up authentically and all these things, um, and then it's like, this thing exists over here where you're like, okay, I just did all of this for then you to just like <laughs> come in and weed whack it. Like, and so.
0: Wait, wait. We- what, so what does that mean? You've done all this to create this. What is that? Like this, this image of what it means to be queer and Christian. Yeah. And then um, you, you and your behavior is weed whacking that. So it's like, I'm earning I'm earning this respect. I'm showing this image of what it means to be mature and to express myself healthily in a different frame than people are ready for. That is extraordinarily hard for me. It's it's and I'm starting to I can resonate uh, as a when I when I can just the conversations, especially after 2020, what does it mean to be black? And I'm thinking about what it means to be Asian right now. And some of the things that are happening now. Yeah, I'm already having to work. So you're having to work female, black, queer, all this stuff is like, so you're trying to assert yourself and to represent this healthy image of, of what it means to be human and what it means to follow Christ and all of that. And you're saying when somebody else is behaving immaturely, woundedly, figuring their way out, stumbling their way around, they're undercutting all the work you're doing to garner trust as a queer Christian black woman.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, and yes, I think fully that holds to be true. Um, but I also think it's like, I think I just, even when you were explaining, just thinking about like, (laughs) that is true, but there's also so many other situations. I think that people get put in where that's also true. Like we as humans in different groups put in so much work, to identify that and to prove to people, like the work we're putting in and how much value there should be there and all those things. And so it's almost like, I feel like there's always going to be that subgroup that's going to like harm the other. And it's like, I don't think that's ever fully not going to exist. And so for me, that takes me to a place that's like, stop focusing on that. Keep focusing on yourself. And I think that also relates to in those moments, I think I can go back to the feeling of the world is really small. And it's just like me and these few people are working really hard to hold all these identities. And then these people are like, yeah, whatever. But that's like also so not true. Um, But I think it took me a while to figure out who those other people were who would stand with me in this category and be able to ignore this side. And so it's, like I said, existing in so many different identities. I even think about to not talk about the gay piece and think about being black and standing with black people. And then it's like, you have all these people over here and now we're like in a racism issue. And it's like, it's always, for me, I feel like there's always that divide. And for so long, I feel like I focused on that divide. I focused on what was dividing my sexuality from the church my healthy relationships from my unhealthy ones. Like I was always trying to like be in the middle and play the middle ground. When I then got to a point where I was like, if I just play this side and like really work on this side, like I'm not only proving myself, but I'm proving the other side enough. Like, I don't need to say words. I don't need to argue. I don't need to. And I did it for so long. Like it, everything always felt like it had to be a conversation. I had to explain to someone why I felt that way, why I was doing that. Now it's just a place of like, I just want to exist in the actions and the work that I put in here. I just want that to be shown and represented just through who I am and not through all the things that I'm like, I need to do that. I need to tell you that I no. (laughs) So leaving the middle ground, And I think just accepting that for me, I don't see that other side ever not existing. And so it's a choice. Focus on that, focus on yourself, which one's more important. And for me, it's focus on yourself.
0: Mm, That's my zoom, Mm, the zoom, the zoom praise. I think, I think the, I, I really appreciate your response. And I just feel like the, even the premise of the question is like this or that. It's other, you know, the question is binary. I think it pits us against each other. And I, even as I framed it, though, it wasn't like, what about those immature people over there? And well, I didn't say it like that. I think some of the premise was like that, which is disgusting to me. Hello. Welcome to my immaturity and woundedness and uh, opportunity to grow coming right out onto the screen. Um, But, um, I, what I hear you responding to that is saying like, no, no, that's, that's been the journey of authenticity. Mm -hmm. Me, me being a mature Christian, isn't based on your perception of what it means to be Christian or what it means to be mature. It is me following Christ for myself. So, so the rubric of how I do that is between the spirit of God alive in me Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and my obedience and how I follow. And so That isn't measured by someone else's journey. Like you don't get to measure me against somebody else's journey. I'm not going to measure myself against anybody else's journey. I'm not going to measure myself against your, um, metrics of what that means. So I'm going to follow Jesus myself. And you, what you're saying is I've had enough people who've invited me further. And now you're in this space, which really excites me to be like, yeah, now that's me. So now it's me and the spirit of God in me calling me forward. Yeah. Which is a really important place. Um, And what trips me out about that, even saying that out loud is like, I feel like there are like 70 year old people who have never come to that place where they were the authority in their own relationship with God and how they follow God. They have always, um, And I don't think it's not a bad thing. We need each other to see and experience. Like there are people like you talked about these people who can show you a different way. You can't see something until you see something. You can't imagine something. It's like, it it doesn't exist. The world is this small. There's that there are people who are in retirement homes right now in their eighties and they have never taken their own authority so that they can be authentic. They've never become their own metric which again, like, I can't judge that. I didn't grow up after Vietnam. I didn't grow up after World War II and the depression and all this kind of stuff. That's who's 80 right now. So I, I don't get to like point fingers and throw stones. Um, But I, I really appreciate your response. It cuts through my own immaturity um, and reminds us like, like authenticity is where it's at. Yeah. So in my mind, I think about when it to be true and to be authentic. Mm-hmm. As you've stepped into those newer open spaces, what kind of visions for the world? What kind of dreams bubble up as you become like the healthiest, truest, maturist version, maturest, I'm see you as mature the maturest version of yourself. How have like the dreams of what's possible in the world kind of bubbled over? What becomes important? What becomes dreams?
1: Yeah. Um, I think I always just had the biggest dream of what it would be like to be fully known. Um, and I still feel like I sit in that dream. Um, and just kind of along the lines of what I was saying before of saying, I still sit in that dream because of that constant cycle of like every new space I'm coming out and I'm coming out and I'm coming out and I'm coming out. So like, thinking about that um, is a huge dream. And I think it's, I've noticed in spaces that I've, that I am fully known. um, One, how much freedom is there? Two, what love just really looks like and feels like. Um, And so I guess for me, I'm now sitting in a place that's like, what does it look like? to build a place, a thing, an idea around that where other people who are sitting in the closet unidentified, um, who I'm sure want to be fully known, I would just guess, um, (laughs) and where they could go to find that and to have that. Um, And I think for me, just a huge part of it has always been like, I'm not, who I am now, because of just me, like, at all. Um, And so for me, community is huge, and it's people. Um, And how do we meet people in those places, and have people know us for ourselves, but really just, where's that space where it's like, I don't have to walk in, and like, have a conversation with you about who I am. But I can just be who I am. And I can know, just based off of the person across me and their demeanor, their behavior, their reflections of Jesus that like, I'm okay. And I'm safe because in return, I think for me, those were the spaces where I was the most, my most authentic self. And I didn't feel like I had to tell the story. I could just exist. And that person was like, wasn't expecting it. Didn't ask, but it was like, I could talk freely just about anything I wanted to. Um, And so I think the biggest thing right now for me is just dreaming about that space. Like, where do I exist fully myself so that someone else can also do that? Um, And I think more importantly, too, just where can I separate the feelings of (laughs) focusing so much on other people's interpretation of who Jesus is? and just lean into those qualities that I had mentioned of Jesus. And for me, like, that's what's most important. It's most important that I'm living every day like Jesus would, instead of just quoting, reading scripture, like putting people in boxes. Because I think in this specific situation with sexuality and religion, we do put God in a box. He's very confined. And it feels like we have to do this. And we're going down this checklist of like, boom, 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 like did it all. Okay. And instead just like, he's so much bigger than all of that. But to get someone to believe that I think is hard because we're told so many other things Mm, from people mm, who aren't mm. Jesus. (laughs) And so the more we hear that and hear that and hear that we lose the value of who he is. And so first and foremost for me in the biggest dream world (laughs) is that, who Jesus really is is known and not who people make Jesus to be
0: <laughs> jeez louise oh man ladies and gentlemen just kidding you're not done yet um that's so powerful um It's just a misrepresentation of the god of the universe who created the multiple galaxies that we study the stars it's nuts it's just absolutely asinine to put god in this it's just it's literally for us it's literally for our own sake like we it's like we we just can't deal with the amount of wonder and majesty of a god that is beyond us. I'm trying, there's a, there's a, I think a first, second or third or fourth or fifth or sixth century theologian who said, uh, that God made man in, in God's image and man returned the favor humanity returned the favor. We just can't stand that God is bigger than what we think. And literally it's, I just imagine like the amount of wonder and truth and invitation that would be if the voices with influence would communicate about god in that way Mm -hmm. and god is communicated about like just in these really graspable holdable sometimes formulaic ways that make everybody feel comfortable if i do this a plus b equals c um a squared plus b squared equals just and it's just like but it's like imagine if if the if pulpits and Instagrams and social medias were just filled with wonder people who are just in awe of like, no, no, this is kind of it. But like, oh, man, so much more. Yeah, it's just, it's ridiculous. When you're talking about putting God in a box. I never thought about it this way. But I just saw like genie from from Aladdin being like, <laughs> getting sucked into like this little tiny box. And like, after 10 million years um but but we do it trying to put them in that little bitty box yeah
1: Um,
0: it's 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 ridiculous we've talked about truth and authenticity and freedom a lot so far and that makes me think of this part in scripture in john chapter eight or nine um where john chapter eight where Jesus is talking about who the truth is. And you talked about this picture of like the real Jesus, the Jesus of solidarity, the one who walked through the Mediterranean through Judea and walked directly to the people who were untouchable, unclean and identified himself with them and said, I am with the outcasts. I'm with them. How you treat them is how you treat me. And walk through, and and there's this part where he's talking to these, the keepers of religion who had given themselves to the understanding of God that they had been given, that they had been given, that they had been given, that they had been given to preserve this way of being. And then God made flesh is walking with them. And he says, I am, I'm the light. I'm the one you've been looking for. And they have this humongous problem. Like it doesn't compute. They're like, uh, (laughs) what do you that we don't have a framework for that, which is which is like it, it, it makes me empathetic towards that in our conversation where it's like you don't have a framework until you have a framework. But some people are so heaven bent on protecting their framework that they'll never like even when the images of truth and love and hope these new perspectives of courage and endurance and service are pushed in front of them they can't see it because they're still tending to that little box so jesus is in this space i'm gonna read it and then we'll kind of talk through it a little bit see what you think theologian boss sister uh so he he's having this conversation with these guys which is it's so interesting to see their kind of back and forth and the ways that they're looking at them like yo You can't say that about yourself. Sure. But also, next story, next story, next story. (laughs) And so here we are in John chapter 8. We'll start at verse 31, and I'm going to read through 38. And then uh, Sammy Sam's going to tell us what it means. The final authority on John chapter 8, verse 31. (laughs) It says, so Jesus said to the Jews who'd believed him, If you, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, my apprentices, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And they answer to him, we we are offspring of Abraham. We've never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you'll become free? And Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son, the daughter remains in the house forever. So if Jesus sets you free, if I set you free, you will be free indeed. I know you're the offspring of Abraham but you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I've seen with my father and you do what you've heard from your father. Then he goes on to tell them who their father was and describes it as Satan, which is a whole nother episode. Sam, when you think about this interaction with Jesus and these apprentices and a truth that makes you free on the backdrop of our conversation, what kind of comes to mind?
1: Yeah. Um, I think at the beginning of that scripture, I go back to being stuck with the thought of just all the voices that we hear all the time. Um, and just being reminded and grounded in the fact that like it's God's voice that gives the truth. Um, And that just resonates with me really heavy because a lot of that is just from personal story, but also I think it's just a reality. Um, And so that part I think is just big for me um, because I think we find the only way that we'll find truth in anything is if we're in tune with his voice, which is eternal truth. Um, So I think those go hand in hand. Um, and then I just think as that scripture goes on, it's kind of like almost then fleshing out like that in itself, like what then happens when we follow God's voice. Um, and I think through that, we just are revealed so much truth. And so I think even for me, I think about in the times that I followed God's voice, I was given so much truth, but not all of that truth was always good truth. And I think that's something that I also had to work through is that just because it's true doesn't mean that it's good. And so I had to process that and take a step back and to think about that. And so when I hear this scripture, I'm also reminded of that. Um, And in that truth that wasn't good, it was still good for me to hear it and to know it and it has shaped and cultivated so much of the now. And so then as that scripture goes on, I think it's just continuing also that pattern of like, you hear that voice, what does it do? It gives you good things, it gives you bad things, but it's revealing like Satan, it's revealing the evil, also part of your life that like needs to be acknowledged because we don't acknowledge that then we don't acknowledge the truth fully. And so, kind of navigating how those two exist with each other. And I just see a lot of that in how I now identify and so much truth is that it once existed of so much bad and so much good. Um, And now knowing that it's so much better than all the bad that it once was comes from, ultimately just the truth of who God is. And so that's what I think about in that scripture. just all the other voices versus God's and how healing and transformative that is in any situation.
0: Mm. I, I I pause because I, I think like, as you started sharing, your perspective made me think about our capacity for truth. When you were suffocating, you didn't have imagination for something different. You only thought it was either this way. And these other things about me would change. And that was like literally the only thing that could have been. And I think about our sisters and brothers, who's like the box that they've been given for the way relationship with God works. Um, This is based on your behavior. The challenge, even in that idea is that like, what you've said even up, up so far in this conversation is like my authenticity, like as I grew, I have kind of like taken the reins of how authenticity works i show up fully as i as as i navigate well right i show up and that's on me to do it's not on an environment to create or anything like that when i think about people it's like they we've been given this way to perceive the world to perceive god by people back to like the pulpits and instagram and twitter and all these places that are like framing how god works framing the character of god in the last year when we think about justice or reconciliation resurrection all these kind of restoration some people just like this when um when jesus says uh what did he say You seek to kill me because my words find no place in you. You don't know what to do with this image of a healthy, mature, Christian, queer woman. You you don't have eyes to see it. You talked about tasting and seeing, which is not like mentally ascending and knowing and being able to articulate and all. It's like, no, I've tasted and seen. I know where this, this is. You know this isn't about that this is this but for me reading it this time and hearing what you're saying it just makes me think about like when the words just can't find a place and that's why that's why our responsibility for our own lives is like our responsibility for our own lives so (laughs) (laughs) it can't be based on whether the words land or whether they find a place like who who we show how we show up in the world it can't be about how other people respond or else we will always be the slaves of those people. When mm-hmm. Jesus starts out talking about slaves. That feels really important. Hmm. Um, you also said some other things that I cannot recall. They were extraordinary, simply breathtaking, mind-blowing. Just blew the train right off the track. What do you think, sis? What else? I could is there? add
1: something. I, I I got something stirring. Come on. <laughs> um, when you just made the comment about, I think I just saw like a very clear image of like you being showing up, whoever you are your identity showing up. And the person across the table, not knowing how to hold who you are. And I just saw this, like, literally, like me across the table from someone else who like, in that moment of like, I can't, like, be myself, or I'm like, so nervous to say it, or I'm like, Oh, this is really awkward, because I'm so worried about the person over there. And then it just kind of like put me in a place where I was like, but then to be reminded that those barriers that we create between people are so like toxic for who we are and like who we want to be and so even taking that back to like the authenticity piece like showing up and believing in yourself is like where i started in this conversation and like still where i feel like i'm at because i think those are the moments where there's always going to be that person who doesn't believe in who you are And you could think that you hold all the right identities of the world, like you are superior and there's still going to be someone who's like, I don't like you or I don't support you or doesn't show up for you the way that you want. And so I think all that comes full circle to like asking your own self and what I've had to ask myself, like how much do I like really believe in who I am and who's giving me like that freedom to be me? And ultimately, like, that's God, like, that's the gift that he's giving me. And so I think in those spaces of accepting that there are some people who will never know how to hold all the good things that you have, like, that doesn't make it not good. Like, if anything, it's like, it shows how much power is there. Because that person sees it, and they might not admit it, and might give it to you in hard ways. But for me, that's been like, a power push. Like if this is like intimidating you or scaring you, or you're like, what are you doing with your life? I'm like, I have it all in my hand. And like, I believe in myself enough. And then in return, I think it gives you the opportunity to find all the other people who also believe in you. Um, but I think when we don't take that step to believe in ourselves first, that's when we don't see all the other people who believe in us because no one even knows that we're like seeking to be believed in. And so that's just what I was thinking about in that moment of turning that situation into like, they don't know how to hold it. And I think that's one of those things. It's like a bad truth, but a good one at the same time because you don't want that person to feel that way and you don't agree that they should, (laughs) but they do. And it makes you stronger. Because no matter how they feel, you still get to hold those identities. And boom. <laughs> <laughs> um I
0: that hmm. <laughs> I think when I think about that that interaction across the tables, when when we acquiesce to that moment and we say, okay, I'm nah not this time, mm-hmm. we're contributing to All the negative, all the boundaries, all of the suffocation. Mm -hmm. So we're—it's like we're re-putting on the eight hundred pound gorilla on our back. Yeah, I'm I'm putting my own hands around my own neck, and not only just my own. Like I'm contributing to these same barriers everywhere in the world, the same othering, the same suffocation. I'm I'm like taking out that little that inspiration, which comes from the word of like breathing in air. I'm sucking it out. I'm discouraging. I'm taking the courage out of the world. And I'm saying these, I want these barriers to still exist. And that's really weird. Cause I, I don't want to say something that feels like I'm heaping all this responsibility on the marginalized people to like stand up. And which is, that's definitely not what I'm trying to say at all, but I'm trying to say how we show up to those moments at the table matters and we can either live into the value and the dream of inspiration and breath and freedom and authenticity or we're showing up to that table reticent and hesitant mm-hmm. for whatever reasons we haven't done that work or we don't and and there's like there's a reality back to like hard truth good truth about the ways truth works is like There's realities of like, why it's hard to do that at the table, what, what it feels like to bring that in that moment. (sighs) But, but it is this moment where I was, I was thinking about like the work that we have to do to be healthy, to show up at the table in a way that like can breathe life in a way that contributes to freedom and authenticity instead of living in fear or slavery. Yeah. Hmm. Whoa. Whoa. Um. Any final thoughts, sis, about the scripture or authenticity, freedom, dreams?
1: Um, like I got a lot of thoughts. Um, I think two things. One thing. Um, is that I feel like to be fully loved, we have to be fully known. And so to step into that story in whatever capacity that looks like for different people, um, I think is super important. And I would say my biggest reward is to fully be myself and to fully show up has given me the biggest set of freedom, the biggest life of love, and just the biggest community um, that has just helped me navigate and helped shape me and encourage me. Um, And I think also just for me, the piece of holding our identities high feels really big that it doesn't matter. It does matter what people say. Um, but in that, I think so much of what I've learned and wanted to also make fully known is that dealing with sexuality is very difficult. And I think there will always be seasons of life where I feel it harder than others or things feel more difficult. Um, but I think it's also important to know how to hold that difficulty and make space for that to be a celebration versus something to be like always talked about in a negative light. Um, and I think that goes the same for racism and all social injustice and all like just all of the above that there's so much space to sit and just deconstruct and feel pain. And I think that's so important, but I also, for me, I feel like it's more important to sit and there's a bigger space, to celebrate and to encourage and to give hope and to pass hope and to just leave all that negative behind because I think the space of joy is way bigger than the space of fear. Um, and I just think that's very important to live into. And I think when we live into that really big space, we then get dropped off into a place where it's like, whoa, the world's really big. and whoa, there's like really good people and people who will love me and take care of me and help me grow. Um, and I think sometimes when we sit in this small circle of fear and frustration, we forget that there's so many people outside of that who can make up for those people and for those things. Um, so yeah, I just feel very invited into that big space right now in my life to just live there and to find all the big things and to find all the big people. And just to dream really big about better things.
0: It's, it's freaking amazing. So I I really appreciate that. The invitation. um, I said before you, life and suffocation, wide open spaces and celebration and dark small spaces. And there's no judgment in that because the journey is hard. And the more identities you're wearing, the harder it is. Um, Sam, I think thank you for your perspective and you being in this space in your voice. And the way that that you have learned to celebrate your story and to say like, they may not Someone else may not, but I will. And someone else may have different ideas, but these are mine. And to do the work that you do, to stay grounded um, and to stay in tune with the voice of God that will continue to call you forward with good truth and bad truth and hard truth. I really appreciate that because I think what we try to do every time is to celebrate stories. So when we celebrate Sam's story together, it's to say your story is celebratable too. we want to celebrate your story too. And for this particular kind of story, I'm thinking of my friend Brian, and an organization he started called be free stories, which is a space if you are queer, whether you're Christian or not, it coming out is so risky and so hard but it is an organization be free stories at be free stories that wants to celebrate you so that you don't have to do it on your own. Uh, So you don't have to feel like, like, how could I be celebrated? Um, Sam, thank you so much. I just appreciate the ways that you have taken authenticity, um, taken authority of your life, um, taken the reins of authenticity, showed us what that freedom looks like. um, And then to hear the invitations of, 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 Following Jesus in a real way that breaks the boxes um, that is very um, unique and very intimate, like uniquely intimate, in a way that cannot be judged or um, framed by anybody else, characterized by anybody else, qualified by anybody else. The way, so I just appreciate that. So, if you're listening today, um. Sam, how can they follow you? Where should they follow you? Come on, we're talking about trillions.
1: Tr- um, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not a very uh, social media gal. Maybe I can, uh, in the future, give you some better handles to follow. Starting, starting big things.
0: <laughs> hey, come on! Look, we're <laughs> throwing it out there as soon as we can. Well, you can search. Sammy Sam, just kidding. Um, you can just search your name once we get all this stuff out there, but just please know, like Sam Sam is extraordinary, and I'm gifted to to call her friend. Um, we would both say, like, look you down the barrel of a camera. You are extraordinary, and you are in process, and you're in your journey. You are you have so much to say. Like, me and Sam are people just like you. We want to celebrate your story. So please know you are love beyond measure and we're family. That's just the way it is point blank period. And I can't wait to hear your story. I can't wait to be friends to celebrate you. Uh, Let me be someone who can help you celebrate. I pray this conversation is something that gives you imagination for something beyond what you thought was possible because there are mature Christian queer sisters and brothers who would celebrate you. And they want to help you live that journey towards intimacy and being known and full expression in the world. So, love and family. And that's just the way it is. Peace, y'all.